He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, He is for you. He is for you. So I was scrolling through Facebook the other day, as I'm sure you guys were too, because what else are you going to do? And it was depressing and kind of terrifying. And everything's about COVID-19 this and COVID-19 that. And, and it's like, like the media is putting it way up here. Like this is zombie apocalypse. We're all going to die. This is the end of everything. And then, you know, you get the odd science post from the WHO or the CDC. And it's like, oh, it, it's, it's serious, but we'll be okay. And I, I get this mixed bag of emotions, and I'm sure you do too. Sometimes it's scary. It's kind of confusing. I'm not sure what to do. I'm just going to wash my hands a lot and hope for the best. And, like, nobody's talking about the weather. Nobody's posting anything else. Guys, it was spring yesterday, and it actually feels like spring in North Gore. This is rare. This is worth talking about. And so I, I did come across one post that was different, though. And it was from my friend Jeff. And he posted that, that his son had accepted Christ. And I'm like, guys, there's one good post. This is amazing. This is what I want to see. And that brought me hope in that, that moment where everything else sucked. So, so today I want to dig into Hebrews uh, chapter 6. And if, if you're like me, I for a long time thought Paul wrote Hebrews. I mean, I, I thought Paul wrote most of the stuff in the New Testament. If it's not a gospel, Paul probably wrote it. And that's not true. We're actually not sure who wrote Hebrews. It's up in the air. Because it doesn't quite feel like a Paul book. But I, I believe that, that the Word of God, that the Bible, everything in here is inspired by God. So God wrote everything, regardless of who, who penned it, who physically put it on paper. I believe God is the author. So if you've been doing your Bible reading challenge, we are in the book of Hebrews. Uh, so I'm looking at chapter 6 this morning, and verse 1 begins, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructing about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgments. So if you caught that, though, Cleansing rites and washing your hands, that's basic stuff. Today we're going to talk about Jesus, we're going to dive deep. So if you're with me, hit the like button. I wrote it, so I'm going anyways, whether you get it or not. So chapter 6, if you jump down to the end, verse 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest, forever. So verse 19 starts with this idea that Jesus is our hope. And I don't feel hopeful. Like, where is this hope supposed to come from? I, I look at Facebook and I'm not hopeful. And, and if you're asking that same question, I hope that this morning we can find the answer. And like, because I, I do have a lot of hope in, in Jesus. And it, it shouldn't matter what, what's going around in the world. And I, and I got to keep focusing on that. I got to keep focusing on, on Jesus as my hope not on Facebook or the media or whatever is going on. So let's keep digging and find that hope. If you, if you jump into the middle now in, in verse 7 and 8, it says, For the ground that drinks the rain which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for 
whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. So this rain that, that it talks about is equated back to verse 4 and 5, where it, where it lists these blessings. So that those blessings from 4 and 5 is, is the rain that it's talking about. And their enlightenment, tasting the heavenly gift, the Holy Spirit, goodness of the word of God, and powers of the coming age. So if you read verse 4 and 5, which you're probably doing right now, you're like, this sounds kind of negative. And the author wrote it like that. So I want to kind of ignore that, and I just want to pull out those, those five blessings, and that's what we're going to talk about for a moment. So the first one, enlightenment. So this is like when you're reading your Bible, and, and it's like God highlighted something in there, and he just brings it out, or, or just kind of leaps off the page, and you're being enlightened by that. Or, or it's when, like, like I'm preaching, or Dan was preaching last week, or you're, you're watching a sermon, and, and it's like I'm talking right to you, sitting in your living room, or sitting in the pew, or, or whenever you've experienced that moment. That's enlightenment. The, the next one is this heavenly gift. And this likely refers to either, either or both, uh, communion or the Eucharist, like, like having the, the Lord's Supper, and... And having communion with fellow fellow believers, that fellowship, that coffee hour that we do after that we can't really do right now. So you're going to have to find a different way to do that, whether it's a Zoom meeting, uh, you talk on Facebook with your friends or Instagram or whatever you do. We've got all this internet stuff. Let's use it to our benefit. The third one is the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the, the Trinity. And it says, have shared in, which literally translates to having become partaker of. Meaning this isn't just recognizing that the Holy Spirit exists somewhere out there, but that he, that, that we need to participate with him. This is a participation thing. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 4, he writes that there is one spirit, but different gifts. So your participation is not going to look like my participation. And that's what God's looking for. He wants it to be a little bit different. That's not the COVID, promise. So the, the, the next one is the Word of God. This is, this is the Bible. Okay, this is a, a Word of God, small w, not capital W. The capital Word of God is Jesus. So this is Word of God, your Bible. And, and I believe this isn't just reading your Bible or doing the 70-day Bible challenge. I think this is good biblical preaching. I think that this is, you know, you're stuck in your home for a few weeks. You can... You can spend extra time engaging in, in the Bible. You can memorize verses. You can, you can meditate on a verse and just let it soak in. Uh, so just a plug for free. If you're not doing the 70-day Bible challenge, you should start. Uh, and if you don't have one of those journals, I think we have a few left. So the next is the powers of the coming age. So I'm going to break this up into two things because I think it's easier to understand that way. So the powers is... Something supernatural, whether that's going to be miracles, um, this unexplainable joy that we sang about this morning, or, or peace beyond understanding. It's something beyond yourself. And then the second part being the coming age. And when I read the commentaries, they're, they're saying this is the messianic age. So when Jesus being the Messiah, this is, this is the age where he reigns. And... Like, because these guys in, in Hebrews were just coming into that, and, and we're, you know, we're now 2,000 years into it. 
And, and so th this isn't like when it talks about coming age, it's not the end of the world, which I think is this, you know, if your mind's like mine, it says coming age, you're like, oh, this is talking about the end of the world. It's not, it's talking about the messianic age, the time we're in right now. So I'm gonna read that again for you, verse seven and eight. For ground that drinks the rain, or these blessings, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation useful for those whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. So like I was saying, those, those five blessings are the rain. And, and in verse 7, it says that the rain comes often. So this land, it's not, it's not parched. It's not a drought. The rain is coming often. It's very fruitful. It's got potential to grow a lot of things. It's fertile soil. It's raining often. So this means that those five things are frequently available. So what are you doing with them? Are you interacting with the Holy Spirit? Are you reading your Bible? Are you participating in fellowship with each other? Because if you're an extrovert like me, I need someone to reach out. Someone send me a message. So I spent a number of years in British Columbia, you know, on the other side of the country, just outside Vancouver. And if you know anything about that half of Canada or that part of Canada, it rains a lot because we're right on the ocean. So when, when we moved here, that year, uh, the town we were in got 207 days of rain. That's a lot of rain. I've got, so I, I've got this, like, this pretty good idea of, of what it's like, especially in springtime, when it's raining all the time. Because like, we'd go weeks, and every day it was raining, sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. And it was just all the time, rain coming down. And that's what, that's what God's saying here about his blessings, that they're just always coming down. And so what are you doing with the rain? I have a rain barrel at home uh, to water my garden. Most people would save for a rainy day. I'm so cheap. I also save for the days when it's not raining. I think that there is a, a spiritual principle there. Maybe you need to memorize scriptures so that you have something for a rainy day. Uh, to be able to share with somebody when you forgot your Bible at home. Or maybe, maybe just remembering that, that two weeks ago God healed you from a cold. And if he can heal you and he was faithful then, then, then he surely is going to be faithful now. Matthew 5.45 says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So it's like God is just wildly tossing blessings out of heaven. And, and they're landing all over the earth, and, and we need to do something about it. We need to be intentional about using these blessings. So... I have hope that they'll keep coming because they've, they've come before. God blessed me yesterday. God blessed me last week. God blessed me last month. God blessed me last year. So why wouldn't God bless me today? Why wouldn't God bless me tomorrow? God is faithful. He's going to keep blessing me. I have hope that there's future blessings to come. On the other hand, there are some, some people who choose to do nothing with these blessings. That, that the rain falls and, and they do nothing. And the consequences that thorns and thistles come up instead of good fruit. The, the New Beacon Bible Commentary says, Land that has consumed the divine resources for fruitfulness, but is barren, does not qualify for God's blessing. I'm going to read that again. Land that has consumed the divine resources for fruitfulness, but is barren, 
does not qualify for God's blessing. So we have this corner at our house, and it grows these awful thorny things. I call them the demon thorns, because I don't know what kind of plant it is. And, and there's, there's potential to grow good things there. So we've been slowly ripping them out, because the alternative is I've got a bunch of maple trees there. I've got raspberries that come up. So it's not a hard choice. Do I want thorns and thistles or raspberries and maple syrup? I think you can all make that choice with me, that we want maple syrup and raspberries. So it's the same with your life. We all want good fruit. The, the fruit you produce won't be the same fruit that I produce. So don't compare with me. Don't compare with Dan. Compare with Jesus. Jesus is going to bring about a specific fruit in your life. So when we were in BC, we had, I had two hazelnut trees in my backyard. And, I mean, we moved in. I don't think they had been taken care of. We got the house from an older lady. So they, they needed some work, but I went out there and, and I, when I realized they were hazelnut trees, I like Nutella, I'm a big fan of chocolate spread. So I thought, I'm gonna make chocolate spread. I can probably figure this out, how hard could it be? So I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna take some of these and I'm gonna check it out, break it open, garbage. There's nothing in there, they're empty shells. So I, I gotta prune these trees. If I prune the trees, then they'll make good fruit. So I prune the trees. Come back next season, nothing, empty shells. And so then I, I cut down the tree and I burned it. So Matthew 7, 16, 20 says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. I wish I would have known when I was cutting down these hazelnut trees that I was doing exactly this. It would have felt extra spiritual, casting down those hazelnut trees. So here's two ways that I think that this is going to apply to your life. The first is that we are the land. So God's pouring out blessings like rain, and we need to be ready. And, and I tell you that like the Holy Spirit's moving, that he's going to really start moving in this place in your life, and that you need to be ready, that you need to participate with him, that we need to be ready to let the rain soak in, let those blessings soak in, and bear fruit. And so you need to think, how, how can you set up a rain barrel in your life, or or an irrigation system in your life so that you're ready when the rain comes. And so what are you doing to prepare for the rain? The second way that this applies is I think that it's, it's our responsibility to tend the field and you know to, to do something with these blessings. When, when we moved into our house up the road here, I built this huge garden for my wife, 700 square feet. It's never big enough. You can never have a big enough garden. And so we, we scraped all the grass off, which we started doing by hand, which was a terrible idea. Then we got a tractor. Um, and, and then we, we, we did hoogles. We put down these rotting logs and then, and then some nice topsoil and compost and then bark mulch on top. And, but if you garden at home, you know that there's, there's picking weeds, there's potting plants, there's starting seeds, there's you know, building the garden like we had to do. And it's a lot of work. 
But then come harvest time, nobody cares about the work. You, you don't remember all this work that you had to do in the spring that, you know, a lot of us are starting right now. You just remember, I really like raspberries. I really like corn. This stuff is delicious. I grew this with my own hands and you feel accomplished. So don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. It's our responsibility to tend the field. And I believe that God doesn't leave us to work alone. Like the, the blessing I read at the beginning, he is with you, he is with you. God is faithful to do his part. He is, he's going to bring about these blessings and help you every step along the way. So let me show you an example of this in, in Hebrews 6.14. Uh, God makes this promise to Abraham. And he says, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And that's for us too. We're part of that many descendants in a spiritual way. Because I'm sure if you follow your family tree, you're not actually related to Abraham. So spiritually, we are. And, and God is unchanging. So if he was faithful to Abraham, you know, was 6,000 years ago or something, then, then God's going to be faithful to us in Christ all the more. Because God is so faithful. So, so here it's saying that, that Abraham is going to be a blessing to the world through his descendants, and that's us. So Christians, us, we're supposed to be a blessing to the world. And, and if, you, if you look back in our history in North America, a lot of the schools, a lot of the hospitals, these things were started by Christians. If you look at the, the humanitarian aid and, and stuff that's going on in the world, a lot of those organizations are run by Christians. And, and even right in your, in your community right now, I hope that your church is helping out in the community and, and being a blessing. And the best way that we can be a blessing, I think, is to share the gospel personally. Share it with somebody you know, share it with your friends, your family, um, share it with your neighbors on social media, of course, because share your, share your faith, not your germs. So Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever. So verse, verse 19 starts with hope being an anchor, or, or I would say roots to my plant. And the author is painting this picture, and, and so let me, let me expand on that a bit. When, when we were in BC, uh, I did a lot of gardening apparently, we, we had this bush growing on, on the side of my driveway, and it would get in the way when I would park there, and I didn't want it to scratch my cars, and it was kind of dead and ugly, so I thought, I'm going to rip this out. And I had a truck, which I mean, I, it was a car with a box on the back, but it looked like a truck. And so I put a chain around the bush, hooked it up to the back of the truck, gave it a tug, nothing. Like this dead bush had enough, enough root system to, to hold it in the ground. It was amazing. Like this was impressive. I should have taken a picture so that I could show you, but I didn't because who takes pictures of dead bushes? And like, like it's just so amazing how strong roots are even of the smallest plant. And that, that's the image here that, that our hope should ground us to, to Jesus and to God in that same way. So then, but then it says that this, this hope, it, it goes within the veil. So you're like, what veil? What are you talking about? Are they getting married? And so the, this veil is a reference to the Holy of Holies, which, which they would understand as like, they, they'd say holy, holy, which is like, it's holy upon holy. It's the most holy thing. And so this was the place where 
the, the high priest would go and meet with God and then God's presence would come on that place. And, and it says that, that Jesus goes as a forerunner. And, well, what does a forerunner mean? That means that he's going before something. And we're that something he's going before. He's going in first. Like he has a message to bring to the king. Like, like Dan was saying last week that, that Jesus is going before God and they're, they're having this conversation that Jesus is doing work on our behalf. So because of the, on that first Easter 2,000 years ago, if you look at the crucifixion story in Luke 23, 45, it says that when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn in two. So there was this veil in between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple, and it got ripped in two when Jesus died. Which means that there's nothing to keep the people out of God's presence or God's presence out of the people. Which means right now in your living room, you can enter the Holy of Holies. You can get into God's presence. And so this hope that we have that roots our soul, meaning our hope anchors us to God's presence. So when, when they would do this in the, in the Jewish temple, they, they would tie a rope around the high priest when he was going in. So that in case he brought sin or something in there that he shouldn't, because sin can't exist in God's presence. So when God's presence would come down on that place, they worried if this guy screwed up, he's going to die. And then if we go in to get him, we're going to die. So they'd tie this rope around him so they could pull him back out. And, you know, if, if you know the gospel story, you know that Jesus is sinless. We don't have to worry about Jesus going into God's presence and dying because of sin. And we know that Jesus covers our sins, so we don't have to worry about dying in God's presence. But I believe that, that Jesus still has that rope. And unlike being, being tied because we're worried that Jesus is going to die, I think it's... It's Jesus is trying to tug us into the Holy of Holies. He's trying to bring us into God's presence. So the imagery here is that, that the anchor of hope ties the reader, which is us, you and me, securely to the presence of God. So the rope is the anchor to the presence of God. It's the roots. So we don't need to worry about the world or COVID-19 or whatever else is going to go on next. And I mean, like, that's hopeful that, that I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm tied to the presence of God. So I, I, want, I want you to leave. I want you to, you know, when you turn this off, that you, you'd be like, I have hope. Um, so despite the media and everything that's going on in the world, you know, Jesus is still on his throne. Like Dan said last week, that Jesus is in heaven in the Holy of Holies. Um, and, and he's got our hope that he's bringing it before God. So we can hope for a better tomorrow and know that God is good. God is faithful. And, and he's going to keep his promises. If God can bring a baby to Abraham and Sarah in their old age, then he's going to get us through anything. No matter how you might feel, Jesus reigns. And is in God's presence right now, inviting us in. He's inviting us to join him. And if you're worried or anxious or scared, know that Jesus has hope for you today. In Jeremiah 17, 8, it says, They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear the heat that comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. And it never fails.
to bear fruit. I mean, that brings me a little bit of hope too. And, and I, don't, I don't want this to be a time of drought for you. I know it's a time of social isolation, but I don't think it needs to be a time of drought. I think that your living room can be the Holy of Holies or wherever you're listening to this. Anytime you open your Bible, you can, you're, you're drawn into God's presence. So find a way to store up those blessings that he's raining down. I believe that God's blessings are still rich and his presence is available. That being said, I want to give you some practical ideas. So we've been doing this Bible reading thing that I've mentioned a few times, the 70-day Bible challenge as a church. And I would encourage you to just keep plugging away. Read your Bible in expectation that God's going to speak to you. And if you haven't been reading your Bible, this is a good time to start. And I would recommend the Gospel of John just because it's my favorite gospel. So if you have any questions while you're reading, it doesn't matter if they're silly or not. I've probably had the same question or come across it. You can reach out to me. You can reach out on the Cornerstone page. You can reach out to your, your home church pastor if, if Dan's not it. You can reach out to Dan. I mean, we'd all love to have that conversation. I think we're all lacking conversations these days. So find somebody. I'm sure somebody would love to talk to you about the Bible and, and the things you're reading. And just remember, you cannot catch COVID-19 through social media or video chat. So don't be afraid to do those things. Uh, so the next thing uh, is Right Now Media. So if you don't know what Right Now Media is, I've mentioned it a few times lately, especially to the youth, and it's kind of like this Christian Netflix. And it's really cool. I love it. And and so if you want to get onto that, you can email Stacy or like leave a message on the the page, while maybe not in the video, but if, if you go back to the Cornerstone page and leave a message on there, hey, Stacy, I want to get on Right Now Media, and then she'll help you do that. Number three, pray, pray, pray. Now, I'm not a prayer warrior, so th this is for me too, but prayer works, guys. Like, pray for your family, pray for your, your friends, pray for that mixed bag of emotions that you're probably going through. And, and I think that, that we, the part of prayer that we lack, and what has now become my favorite part of prayer, is the listening half. And, and I think that's what really gets, at least me, that's what gets me into, the, into God's presence. Spewing all my stuff on God doesn't get me into his presence, but just sitting there and, and letting him wash it over me and, and letting stuff soak in, that's when I feel God's presence. And you might not hear an audible voice, that seems pretty rare, but he, he whispers to your heart and, and you just know whatever that was, that was God. That, that peace, like I, like I had that when we were worshiping, it just... I could feel God come across me and it, it, I just, you know, stuff melts away and you just feel better. And that, that's God's presence. I'm going to invite the worship team up. So another thing that you can do is you can, you can reflect on some of the great things that God has done for you in the past. This really keeps me going, to be honest. Um, and, and maybe post some of those things on the Cornerstone Facebook page or, or on your church's page if, if that's not your church. And you're just to encourage other people so that we can, we can celebrate together God's goodness. Because the reality is that there's people watching that have no idea about God's goodness. That, that this is the first sermon thing that they've ever seen or the first time they've heard anyone talk about God. And so for them, like to see something where, where you can say that God did this in my life, that's going to be huge for them. So, so like I was saying, share your faith, share the gospel. I think that, that as much as the, 
the gospel is this thing that happened 2,000 years ago where Jesus went up on the cross and he died for our sins. I think that that, that there's also this, this aspect that's, that's what the work that Jesus is doing in my life right now. So one last scripture, Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need.